0: It's April 12th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First, American boots are on the ground in Ukraine. That is the latest that we are learning from those leaked documents from the U.S. Pentagon. I'll share those details with you shortly. Second, I've got an update on the investigation into the sabotage of the Nord Stream and natural gas pipelines in Europe. Third, the global dominance of the U.S. dollar is under attack. I'll explain what's going on and why it is so important to folks like you and I. Later, we close out the podcast with an explanation for why you are not hearing ads on the right report, at least not yet. And the reason has something to do with rebuilding American greatness. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. America has boots on the ground in Ukraine. And that shocking news is the latest that we are learning from those leaked classified documents from the U.S. Pentagon. So here is what we know about this story with a quick refresh of our memories. So about two months ago, documents marked secret and top secret were starting to float around social media sites. At the time, the U.S. Departments of Defense and Justice denied that they were real. But now they have both acknowledged that those documents are real and that there has been a leak of some very highly classified U.S. intelligence on a range of subjects. Well, this morning, we're learning that in those documents is the confirmation that at least five Western countries have military personnel on the ground fighting in Ukraine, right? Those countries include the United States, the United Kingdom, France, Latvia, and the Netherlands. So as for the total number of Western troops involved, it sits around 100 men and women as of late March. As for the total number of Western troops involved, it sits around 100 men and women as of late March, although the document notes that the number and the nations involved fluctuate in any given period of time. Now, this information actually matches reporting that we got last August, on the 8th of that month, actually, when the Canadian outlet CBC broke the story that their special forces were operating in Ukraine, too. Meanwhile, we also learned last fall from the British newspaper, The Telegraph, that American intelligence operatives, likely with the military, were embedded with Ukrainian units on the front lines, providing intel on specific targets and then giving the okay to fire. Now, I want to emphasize something. None of these Western boots on the ground are supposed to be there, certainly not inside Ukraine, at least not according to official statements and declarations of the U.S. government and other Western capitals. So consider this in December of 2021 and again in the spring of 2022, the White House made clear that there would not be U.S. boots on the ground in Ukraine, right? Quote, that is off the table, end quote, right? Those are the words of Joe Biden when he was asked of the possibility. Moreover, last fall on November 1st, the U.S. Pentagon press secretary, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, said that, quote, we have been very clear that there are no combat forces in Ukraine, end quote. Well, those statements uh, appear to be either false or misleading at best. All right. Meanwhile, other governments with boots on the ground from France to the Netherlands haven't yet responded to the accusations in these documents. Only the British have said much of anything, announcing on Twitter that the documents have quote, a serious level of inaccuracy, end quote, and may be spreading disinformation. And that could be true. So let's see if we get some clarity from the U.S. Senate. That's because Reuters News Service is reporting this morning that leaders in that body have called for an all-member briefing on this leaked intelligence fiasco. No word, though, on how much of that will be done publicly. So those are the facts this morning, folks. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. This news has been widely known amongst former members of the U.S. military and intelligence community for some time now. My friends and I have been debating it for a while. But why then hasn't it been acknowledged publicly by the White House or the Pentagon? Because... It's a pretty big deal, folks, for three reasons, at least. First, we are effectively at war with Russia. Boots are on the ground, right? We should be talking about that. Second, America just got out of a 20-year war in Afghanistan. So we should be asking, are the same folks at the Pentagon and the CIA who are responsible for, well, that debacle now in charge of this Ukraine war effort? because it seems like we ought to discuss and debate whether that that is the team that we want. Finally, we need to talk about the financial costs. America has a $31 trillion national debt, and we're running a massive yearly deficit to boot. So can we afford to put another war on the American credit card? Because as we're going to talk about later in the podcast, financing that kind of debt is going to get really tricky and really expensive in the years to come. Okay, so why are leaders at the Pentagon and White House not talking about boots on the ground or misleading us about it? Well, I think that the three reasons are first, Americans would probably refuse to go along with the idea of boots on the ground in Ukraine. And that's because last April, CBS News polled Americans asking them whether they would support American troops in Ukraine. And 79% said no. All right, second. A PBS news poll from February showed that 80% of Americans had no or only some confidence in Joe Biden's ability to manage the war in Ukraine. In other words, we don't want direct involvement in Ukraine because, well, to be candid, our commander-in-chief can't command. And then third, there's this. The Voice of America conducted a poll in December asking whether the American people are confident in the U.S. military. And here's a pretty shocking number. Only 48% said that they had a great deal of confidence and trust in the U.S. military. That is compared to 70% of respondents back in 2018. So I'll let you all decide what to make of those numbers, especially that last one. But the bottom line is that troops on the ground in Ukraine are not what the American people want. But you know what? It's too late. They're there, even if the number is modest, at least for now. For our next brief of the morning, let's stay in the neighborhood of Ukraine and talk about a quick update to a very mysterious explosion. So to refresh our memories on this one, last September, somebody blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Those were supplying natural gas from Russia to Europe. They were an umbilical cord of sorts between Moscow and European capitals, keeping them tethered together via energy. Well, somebody thought it best to sever that umbilical cord, and they did. Three of the four pipes were bombed and terribly damaged. One remains technically functional, but empty. So who did it? Seven months later, we don't know. The Swedish government said in a press conference late last week that the crime scene is a pretty difficult one to work with. The blasts, they said, occurred at 260 feet underwater. But even with this challenge, they well, they know broadly who did it. Quote, the main scenario of the guilty party is state sponsorship, End quote. In other words, it was a military or a spy service. Okay, well, no big surprise there, but again, who was it then? And why did they do it? Well, there are a lot of guesses. The German government is uh, investigating a possible sabotage team from Ukraine who rented uh, apparently a suspicious boat just before the explosions. Meanwhile, the U.S. media outlet The New York Times reported some pretty odd behavior by the Danish, Swedish, and Russian governments in the Baltic Sea right above where the blasts occurred just days before the explosion. And of course, there are allegations that the U.S. government was behind it, too. And that's because Mr. Biden said this about Nord Stream 2 about a year before the explosions. Quote, we will bring an end to it. I promise you, we will be able to do it. End quote. So I'll keep watching this one, folks, because whoever did it has a massive financial liability. And well, it was arguably an act of war which is all the more reason that whoever did it definitely wants to keep it hidden. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Now, most of you likely won't hear any ads over the next couple of minutes. We've got another week or two of an ad-free experience. So stretch those legs, sip on that cup of coffee or juice, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our news this morning. And this next news isn't just domestic or international. It is truly both. And it's all about the U.S. dollar. So over the past month, you've probably seen headlines about the U.S. dollar related to stories about China and the Middle East and losing supremacy of something called reserve currency status. And I've got a lot of emails from listeners asking for clarification, like uh, Jacob in Sarasota, Florida, who said, people are telling me to be angry about this, but I have no idea why. <laughs> well, Jacob, for most of us, this you know high finance stuff gets pretty confusing pretty fast. So today, we are going to tackle this issue. And I think that, well, you're going to come away understanding why it impacts you and your family, probably in ways that you have never fully appreciated. So let's get to it. And let's start with a thought experiment. All right. I want you to imagine that you are the president of the country of Chad. In fact, we spoke of that African country last Friday. And as the president, you live in the capital city of N'Djamena, trying to find buyers for your oil. And guess what? You're in luck. Because I am the president of Egypt, and I need to buy some oil. But now we have a little bit of a challenge. Because in what currency do I, in Egypt, pay you in Chad? I mean, I have my own currency, the Egyptian pound, but you don't really want that. You want a currency that you can turn around and use anywhere in the world, not just in Egypt. So you ask that I pay you in the most popular currency in the world for global transactions. And that is the U.S. dollar. So folks, what I just described to you, between you and me in two different countries, in this case in Africa, well, that conversation and that transaction has happened each and every day of every year since 1945, right, that was when the U.S. dollar was made king of international trade right after World War II. To give you a sense of how widespread the dollar's use is as what we would call a transaction or payment currency, consider this. The Bank for International Settlements reports that roughly 90% of all goods and services and financial transactions globally are based on the dollar. And the fundamental reason that the U.S. dollar has held this role since 1945 is that people globally think that the U.S. is stable. We've got rule of law. And that the financial industry is pretty well regulated. Okay, so how does that system benefit you if you're an average American? Well, going back to our thought experiment, if you're in the country of Chad with those U.S. dollars from our oil deal that you and I made... Okay, You now need to spend that cash, usually on products and services, and many of which are from abroad. Well, what better place to spend all those U.S. dollars than in the United States? You don't have to convert it to, say, a Mexican peso or the British pound. You can buy stuff made in America, or you can buy American assets from buildings or companies, or hey, you can even play in the U.S. stock market if you want. And that's part of why the U.S. economy, folks, has been so vibrant for so long. But I got to tell you, there is another very, very big benefit. So everything that I just mentioned is about using the U.S. dollar as a transaction or payment currency, right? So to, to buy and sell goods from one trader to another. But there's something else. It's called a reserve currency. And to understand that, Let's say we're back in chat, and you have to manage the money flowing from not just that one oil deal that you and I worked on, but you've got thousands of those kinds of deals, plus other business transactions from other sectors. And you've got taxes that you collect. In other words, you've got a whole bunch of money that goes into your treasury or your central bank. We can think of it kind of like our national vault. Now in that vault, you don't necessarily have stacks and stacks of gold and dollar bills. Rather, you take your national pile of money in that vault and you invest it, even if it's just for a a few days or even a couple of weeks. But what do you invest it in? Well, you're looking for an investment that has stability, rule of law, and a financial industry that's pretty well regulated. Plus, that investment has to be very liquid, which is a Very fancy way of saying that you can buy and sell stuff however often you would like and get your cash back immediately. Well, for decades, countries have turned to the United States for that investment in the form of buying our U.S. debt. Now, maybe you've heard of U.S. Treasury bills or bonds and notes, but for our purposes, it's all the same. Countries are buying U.S. government debt backed by the promise of the U.S. government to always pay that back. Okay, to pause for just a moment and summarize things very simply, the U.S. dollar is used as a payment currency by traders between nations. And the U.S. dollar is used as a reserve currency because nations and their treasuries buy U.S. debt to add to their reserves, their national vaults. Now, if you think about it, that's a pretty amazing deal for America. It means that we are the king of international finance. And America has used that to our benefit for one very important thing. And folks, got to tell you, this is the key takeaway. Because U.S. policymakers know that there is this global demand for our debt, we issue lots of it, right? We run massive deficits that nobody else in the world would ever get away with. But we can because there are lots of buyers for our debt, So policymakers, well, they spend like a bunch of drunken sailors and Americans like you and I, well, we live pretty generously, but we have a problem, a very, very big problem. And to understand it, let's actually go back to our thought experiment in Chad. So let's say that you, Chad, the president, you've made America angry and America is so angry that they slap sanctions on you and your country. More importantly, they freeze all of your money in their banking system, which means your reserves, your nation's vault, because you parked some of that in their banks. But wait a minute. You invested all of Chad's money in the U.S. and and, and bought all that U.S. debt because it was supposed to be safe with the rule of law and all, all that other stuff, right? Well, too late. Now you and Chad are in big trouble. And to get yourself out of that pickle, you either find a way to get off America's naughty list by whatever means, or you are financially toast. So that scenario, ladies and gentlemen, is more or less what happened to Russia on February 8th of 2022, right? It is a date that will live in financial infamy because not only was that a shock to Russia, it was a shock to the world, right? For the first time. A major world economy lost the use of its reserve assets because the U.S. government seized them. So to put numbers on that, the Russian government confirmed that half of the country's $640 billion in reserves were frozen, totally unusable. Now, put aside what you think of Russia, right? And imagine that you are in a foreign capital from Chad to Malaysia, and you saw what just happened, right? You now realize... That you and your country's reserves, your national vault, are profoundly vulnerable to the whims of the US government. So, what do you do? Well, you start looking around for first, a new payment currency for your traders, and second, a, a new reserve currency for your country. You want new investments to park your nation's vault in, right? You never, folks, want to be Russia. And that's what's happening right now all around the world. And that's why some of you have written in asking me, what is going on with these headlines that you're seeing about countries suddenly doing business deals in China's currency, not ours? Well, now you know. All right, let's pause for a moment and just recap what we've discussed. The U.S. has global dominance in the financial world because of the global use of the U.S. dollar. People use it in transactions. Governments use it to buy U.S. debt. All because they have long believed that the U.S. and our markets are safe and stable. But not so much anymore. In the eyes of foreign traders and governments, the Biden administration's decision to weaponize the banking system against the Russian government changed everything. Moscow, once again, lost half of their reserves, their national vault. Okay, so why does all this matter to you? Well, conceivably, it could mean less investment in the United States in time and likely higher costs for foreign goods. But the big issue is the one surrounding this reserve currency status, right? Because governments around the world may become less interested in buying or investing in our U.S. debt because now, well, they're at greater risk to lose everything. They could lose their national vaults and that means to attract those governments back well the U.S. may have to offer them a sweetener higher interest rates on the debt to reflect a new risk and as we all know higher interest rates like on your credit card debt that makes it a lot tougher to make well even the minimum payments at times or we have to cut back on spending elsewhere in this case, well, that's our military or social security. That means we won't be able to deficit spend anymore. And that is why you should care. Because depending on how this plays out in time, America may have to cut dramatically back on the pretty lavish lifestyle that we've come to enjoy. Now, I should note that for years, other countries have worried about this issue of too much American financial power and They've tried to dump the dollar for something else. And it's never really worked out. Mostly because there has never been a credible alternative to the dollar or our stable debt. But is that true now? And will it always be true? Well, there is a country out there who is working pretty hard to overthrow us on the throne of international finance. And that country, ladies and gentlemen, is China. So the question is, Will they succeed? By all reasonable analysis, not anytime soon. Maybe 10, 20 years from now. The reasons for that, by the way, are a little bit complicated. Maybe we'll do that in another brief. But I'll tell you, I do know this. The financial world changed on February 28th of last year because of what we did to Russia, irrespective of what you think about Moscow or the war. Right, And most people don't realize the enormity of what happened. But now, you do. And now, when you see all the headlines about this issue, you are going to have a much better sense of things and why it's so important. And if need be, you can always come back to this episode and refresh your memory on how it all works, more or less, because that is the beauty of a podcast. Unlike Russia's frozen reserves, this episode and I aren't going anywhere. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. A number of you have written in about the ads that you're not hearing and how much you love it. (laughs) Well, I want to tell you something about ads because it's really something about me and what I want this show to become. And to do this, I want you to think of this. In the 1960s, America produced around 95% of its own clothing. Today, that number is closer to 5%. So most of that textile industry was shipped off to Asia, especially China. Other industries in time followed suit. But as we offshored our manufacturing base and destroyed so many factory towns and lives, we shipped off our national security too. And we saw that during the pandemic. Our supply chains, folks, are so wildly dependent on countries and companies abroad that if they go down, we go down. Right? Do you remember the uh, antibiotic shortage? I do. And I'll tell you, for a guy like me who has worked his whole life to make this country strong, I just think that this whole deal that we have created is unacceptable. So for some time now, I have been researching and contacting American companies who make products right here in America from bedding and backpacks to dishes and dog food. All right. I am on the hunt for American products that either I use and love or that I have vetted as both good quality and good for America. Now, I will tell you that the, the hunt for the good stuff, it's pretty tough And it will take me a little bit of time, especially to open those doors with these companies and get them on board. But I'm going to do it because it means something to me. So for now, part of the reason that you are not hearing ads is because I am working pretty hard to build those relationships and then bring you the goods and the services that I'm going to stake my reputation on. And by the way, maybe you have some good suggestions for me. All right, visit my website, which is briandeanwright.com, and shoot me a note with your recommendations of American companies that you love. So until I track those down, those made-in-the-USA products, or maybe a few made-in-Europe, we'll see, enjoy the ad-free experience. But in short order, I will have some companies to tell you about that you will be proud to support, too. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, let me leave you with the words that inspire me and this podcast. They're the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.